Good morning, family. How are you? Good. Well, we have an amazing uh, gift this morning with us. Um, we're coming fresh off of the last few days with uh, the One Race 400 conference. We had a leadership summit and a conference. And, uh, you know, we had 350, actually over 350 pastors and leaders from our city come together to talk and pray and, and, and to connect relationally around the issue of racial reconciliation. I mean, that's absolutely unheard of. Yeah, let's give the Lord a, a bless for that. And so here we are, and, uh, and I, I will tell you, this weekend it was monumental, and, and I'll tell you for, for many reasons, but the one that sticks out to me, we had a couple, I would say, of the leading voices uh, in, in, in evangelical Christianity there on the One Race platform calling the church to cultural reconciliation, to, to racial reconciliation. And it's just, I think that was the first time I've ever seen certain ones of these leaders in that space. It was, it was monumental. And I believe we, we're seeing a shift right now happening in the church at large. And so this morning, we have the privilege to have... Uh, Dr. John Perkins with us, and, and if you don't know who, who, who Dr. Perkins is, I want to share just a, a moment about him. Uh, he was born in 1930 in Mississippi, he's the son of a sharecropper, and um, at a young age, he, he was experiencing uh, racial violence, and he moved to California. From his time in California, he, be, he began to join in the civil rights movement. And, and so he became one of the leading voices in the, in the civil rights movement in the 60s. And uh, from the civil rights movement, he emerged out of that as one of the leading evangelical leaders in the church across the nation. Uh, Dr. Perkins would tell you that he was a, a third grade dropout. But now he's the, past, uh, the president emeritus of the John and Vera May Foundation for Reconciliation and Development. He owns 15 honorary doctorates. He's authored 17 books. But probably his, his crowning achievement is this, that he's been married for 68 years to his wife, Vera May. They have eight children, 13 grandchildren, and eight great-grandchildren. In the first service, uh, I said, 66 years married. He goes, you shortchanged me two years. I said, okay, second service, I'll give you all 68. But he is a leading voice and has been in the, the call to cultural reconciliation in the, in the evangelical church for many years now, and um, he's impacted leaders in every sphere of society for decades. And I, I would just tell you this, myself and Bishop Garland Hunt and Hazen Stevens and Josh Clemens, we went and visited with Dr. Perkins in Mississippi uh, earlier this year, and he gave us a whole half day to spend time with him, to ask questions and just to hear from him. And the amount of wisdom that he was pouring out on us is probably in my experience, it's just, I've never had that experience before because when you have somebody who's, he's now 89 years young, who's seen everything, been to everything, been through everything, 
and has come through it all loving Jesus with a clear, clear understanding of the gospel and the, and the preeminence of Christ. And he's a, he's, a, he's a free heart. As he was unloading on us, it was life-changing. It was transformative. And, and so we spent time with him, and it, it, it impacted us greatly. And, and from that encounter, you know, we just realized that we, we share a kindredness. We share a, a, a common heart. He told us there in the back room today, he said, I feel like I know you. And I said, thus far we no longer know each other after the flesh, but after the spirit. And we share a, 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 a like heart and a, and, a, and a like faith. I want to make mention of this, and then I'm going to ask Dr. Perkins to come. But he's written many, many books but this one that I'm holding in my hand, it's called One Blood. And this is his magnum opus. This is the, the you know, accumulation of years in the message of the gospel and, and the preeminence of Christ with, with the call to reconciliation that's inherent in the gospel. And, and I would just tell you this, that when I read this book, I read the whole thing in one sitting. And uh, the two chapters that I want to highlight... The chapter on biblical lament, what it means to join in together in one another's pain and mourn together, is worth the, the price of the whole book. I don't know that I've ever seen a more concise, clear explanation of the biblical call to lament than it, what exists in this book. And then the other chapter, which is just pretty stunning because the book came out in 2018, there's a chapter called One Blood, One Race. While he was writing this book, the seeds of the one race movement were beginning to blossom. And he lays out the, the concepts behind the name one race, but he did it by the Holy Spirit. And we named one race by the Holy Spirit independently of one another. Somebody told me, they said, after one race Stone Mountain last year, they said, you should write a book. I said, no, 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 that book's already been written. It's called One Blood by Dr. John Perkins. And so without further ado, I want to ask you to give a great big warm welcome to Dr. John Perkins. Hallelujah, come on. <laughs> so um, we are going to do this in interview style, but this is a preacher of the gospel. So only one question may get asked, but he has just complete freedom to, to do what he, what he feels called to do. But before we get into it with a series of questions, I know you would like to welcome the people and receive the people, Dr. Perkins. Uh, such an honor to have you. So our family is your family. Speak to us. You know, one of the great longings, one of the, what God wanted us to have was, was joy. 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 One of the greatest moments in human history and preparation for the outliving of this biblical life was joy. Joy. 
sin was joy killer. God created us all perfect, upright, and the deception of sin entered the world. That's broken us. And the problem that we're having is we don't know how broken we are. That redemption talks about that. For God so loved us broken people. He was broken for us. Uh, the passion is the symbolic of his brokenness. He came to buy us back, to redeem us, to shed his blood, to shed his blood. Oh, I can't, I'm tempted. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm tempted. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes us whiter than snow. There is no other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And that blood, that blood flows from... Uh, one God, this blood flows from one race. Don't ask me about his love. I can see him uh, molding up that clay and rolling it up, sewing it together, and then stretching himself out on it and forming these beautiful bodies that are wonderful made. In his love, he, he first put his image and his likeness on it. We was to bear the image yeah. and the likeness of God. And that's big in the Bible. That we have to reflect this God in the world. Our being, and our being together, present, worship is recognizing the presence of God. It rose out of the scripture. God was in this place, Jacob said. When God called Abraham out at night, he said, look up in the sky. Look up in the sky. Can you number these? He didn't have no children. This is how many children you're going to have. Jake goes back to Jacob. When he was running and fearful, and found that place. He said, God is in that place. And that's why we call it Ebenezer. God is in our place. And God is in this room this morning. If you're talking about joy, and God is in this room, what he wants to break down, what he wanted to reconcile back together, God was in Christ. That was his mission reconciling the world unto himself and has given unto you and me the ministry of reconciliation. And we got it by the grace of God. And the grace of God is the absolute all intentional present of God. And all the gifts that helped us come from God. And he gives those gifts to the church so that he can be present. 
Yes. <laughs> and then God is in his place. We're not, we were worshiping that. You know what I mean? That's what it means. It means that we come back to Ebenezer. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Hitherto my help I come. And I want by your good pleasure, God, to safely lead us home. And God can get us there. He got David there. There is nobody that God blessed more than David. There is no person in the Bible that committed more hideous sin than David. But God got him there. God got him to heaven. That's what the 23rd Psalm is. I heard it again yesterday. The Lord God Almighty is present. He's my shepherd. He has been my shepherd. I, I didn't have any needs. He made me lie down in green pastures. He led me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. I know what that feel like. When I lost my oldest son, Spencer, I know what it feel like to have your soul restored. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness because righteousness is the ultimate of God's justice. Righteousness is the ultimate of God's justice. The biggest question in the Bible is asked in Romans chapter 4 of Romans. The question is there. What did Abraham find when he found God? What did he find that could make him right with God? That's what it means for righteousness. It made it like we was when he created us before we was broken. He, he made righteousness is all that God, he bestows on us his righteousness. We can't earn it. It's not by your own works of righteousness which we have do, you have done, but by his own grace he saves us. There is no other way. And grace is the absolute fullness of God. And when Jesus was incarnated to God, it said he was full of grace and truth. Grace is the ultimate of God's power released into mankind. And that's when he reconciles you. That's when you are born again. That's when you have new life. And then God comes in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit is when, when we see creation for the first time and God says, let there be light and there was light. And what did you see? You saw the presence of God. The Spirit was hovering over the earth. God is present. And God moves in creative ways when he's present. And I believe that God is moving in this place. I take the color of your skin and the way you are looking and how we are worshiping together. It says that God is present. God is present. God is present. And I think that God has come to his church and is coming to his church and is working. God is in Christ. God is in us. 
reconciling the world unto himself. We're not using this grace in vain. To not to come together as God's people, that was his purpose. He is our peace. He is our peace. He has made both one. And he's broken down the walls of partition. We don't understand it. But he's present. I'm not here to condemn nobody. I think the way we play the race game and what we call race to reconciliation, I think we are playing a game. I think what we have believed was a big lie. White folks have believed and shaped a society to make them think they're superior. Black people have shaped a society that makes us, it, it took a lot of work to do it. It took a lot of signs to make us believe that we was inferior. It make a lot of sense, but we don't believe that stuff. We don't believe that stuff. We don't believe our own lie. Jesus. God created us, all of us, to reflect his image, to reflect his love, and to reflect his beauty in the world. And we're walking around doubting that and killing each other. It's creating genocide. That when people get to the bottom, it becomes genocide. My black folks are killing each other with pistols, car, I mean, head on. And white folks are going into supermarkets, churches, with AKAs and all of that, mowing down people. We could talk about how many blacks were killed in the ghetto today. We asked how many whites was killed yesterday in El Paso. How many people, all of us together, was killed in Dayton last night? Oh, Lord, I believe God is doing something with us. I believe God is doing something. I think God is present, and I, and I think he's making that light. I, I think God is calling us together. I think God is going to do this, and he's doing this. I think we're becoming grateful for his grace. We're not taking it in vain. We got the power. That's what reconciliation is about. It's about making us one. God is in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. And he's given unto us this ministry. And then he gets on his knees. You talked about that, that lament. That's lament. When you hear this in lament, when he says, God is in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, and has given us the ministry, he gets on his knees, and he said, I plead with you. I beg you, don't receive God's grace in vain. Don't go, you, if you don't use it, you've got what it takes. You've got God's reconciling power, and you've got his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. He can't be no more than faithful and just. He's present. We, oh, yes. We are still, we still need him. We still need a leader. We need a leader. Lead me. Lord, lead me. 
guide me. And if you lead me, I know I, John Prickett is prone to wonder. I'm broken. I'm prone to leave this God I love. Lord, Lord, with your presence. Take my heart. Take our hearts. Take our heart together and lead us together. He leads me. We need a Jesus to lead us. He's our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's laid down his life for his sheep, but he's alive. He's alive. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. God loves us. Come on. And we ought to be the message of that good news. That's the good news. Good news, good news. Christ died for me. Good news, good news, if I believe. Good news, good news. We'll live eternally. It's wonderful. Extra good news. God is in this place. God is in this place. God is present. I'm introducing myself. I'm glad to be here with y'all. This is a moment in my life. This brings me meaning. And I'm, let me tell you, you young people, you young folks who want to be successful, and that's okay, I like that. Find God's will. God says, I'm your gift. I'm your great reward. Mm. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you can ask what you will. What are you talking about? What are you talking about here? Follow him. Follow him. I'm not looking for no white folk to hate. I know that. I'm not looking for no blacks. I'm not looking for nobody else. I'm not looking for no goops and honkers and all that kind of stuff. All of that is a spit on God's image. That's a spit on self-destruction. That's self-hatred, I'm telling you. And self-hatred is violent. We don't care who these bullets hit. Damn it, we just blowing these bullets. We mad with society. And we say, what is these people doing? What is all of this about? It's about hate. Hate was never to be used as a positive. Hate was never to be a value. And we don't put it in the media. We don't put it out there. We put it out there as a defense. I'm not gonna forgive you because you'll hurt me again. You got it. You got the unpardonable sin. You got the sin unto death. The sin unto death and unpardonable sin is the sin you didn't confess. He said if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. That's all God can be. Ain't no more God. He unloads it all on you. He's, when you give, ask people to forgive you, it's nothing else left. Jesus makes a joke out of it. He said, are you playing? I forgive you of all that junk, and you won't forgive your brother and sister? You're holding it as a defense? You're insane. 
You got it. You can't get rid of it until you confess it. That's our problem. That's the Jewish problem. That's the Arab problem. That's the Baptist problem. That's the all. That's the we hate them and we want to hurt them. In fact, we want to hurt you before you hurt me. I'm not going to forgive you because you'll hurt me again. That's not the message from heaven. I'm faithful. If you confess your sin, I'm faithful. I'm afraid we got a movement going. I'm afraid there's a big movement going. I'm afraid that the beautiful, this beautiful women movement in the world. Oh, I touched you 20 years ago. You ain't going to forgive me because I might touch you again. Oh, Lord, that ain't good news. That ain't good news. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, washes all our sin away. And what it means to be just is to be just as if you'd never sinned. He washes you whiter than snow. He cleans you. It's like you have never sinned before. You get a new beginning. You're born again. You're born into a new family, the family of God. Oh, God. We, we got some going here, folks. We got some going here for when we want to love our brother. Those are the last words and sisters. Those are the last words of Jesus. Love one another. For love is of God. He that loves is born of God and knoweth God. He that hates and knoweth not God's love is condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten. Neither is there deliverance and forgiveness in any other name, but there is no other name under heaven given among men who must be saved. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That's good news. That's what the angel said. The angel said that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, that was a crisis moment. That was a moment. The angel sang. The idea of redemptive story is that the angels haven't been redeemed yet. But those unredeemed, the good news was so good news, they sang. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. Oh, Lord, have mercy. To read to all people. All people. All people. Finally, you know. Uh, good news. Well, it's one night, a savior. And that word savior there, I mean salvation. That's for your past sin. That's for your present sin. That's for your future sin. Because in heaven, there won't be no sin. In that eternal state, it won't be no sin. And we're going to live in that city. That's the city I'm looking for. I'm living for that city. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the former earth were passed away. There was no more seas. Seas were made to divide us. Seed was made for it to be too difficult for us to get together too fast to kill each other too quick. There would be no more seed. And I saw that one Jerusalem city come down from God out of heaven. And I saw us all there. Who are these? 
Who are we? Who, I'm an Ebonic speaker. Who is us? <laughs> this is us's. Who is us's? Yeah, the angels say, you know, you know. You know. Who are these from every color, every tribe, every race? Who are these? These are us's. <laughs> these is us's. Isn't, isn't, isn't that something for us to be us's here in the here? We're us's. We're us's. What has color got to do with it but make it more beautiful? Amen. That's what color is for. Come color with me. Come color with me. Come color with me. That's what the children said. Come color with me. What are you talking about? <laughs> the devil done made us believe a lie. And that's creating all kind of violence. Genocide, genocide. People are spring, and they got a union. And they got a union. It's called NRA. And they are spraying these AKKs. And they are protected by the government. Oh, Lord, Lord, I, I like the hunt. I like the hunt. I like to do all that kind of, don't tell me, I like the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. I like all those amendments. For the one I like first was our proposition. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all human beings are created equal. It's endowed by our creator. That's the best extraction of the Bible for dignity that I ever read. Come on. That's equal to for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that we were going to make heaven on earth. He prayed that we should do that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in that new kingdom, we're all going to be there together. And somebody who didn't understand is going to say, who are these? They're going to say, these are us. <laughs> These are us. <laughs> we are here. Your will is being done in this new place. It's right. We're doing what we can. I didn't come here to condemn y'all. I'm not looking here to find something wrong with you. I'm not looking at that. I, I want to be present with y'all. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God is at. That's why we came. We came to worship him. All oh, that song this morning. Nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. And we're trying to practice that a little bit. This congregation looked like we're trying to practice. I mean, this ain't you. Here. This ain't you think black people still want a black church. White folks here want a white In fact, we want to be uh, neo-Nazis. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We got this world mixed up. And we think those political parties, the Republican, the Democrat, and the, and the T4, we think that adds something to God. We think that is, you know, you're saying, don't put your, I ain't said that. 
I, I'm telling you, love not the world. Yes. Neither things are in the world. That's a world system. Love not this world system. Neither thing that's in this world system. Because all that's in this world system is the work of what makes sin. What makes sin is lust. And, and let me tell you one thing. It ain't my sin that's worrying you so much. It ought to be your sin because you got a sin machine in you. I got a sin machine in us. In me. That sin machine is our behavior. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride. That's what made Jesus affirmed as God. That affirmed him. He didn't fall to eye temptation, the world's temptation. That means then that he can overcome and his blood is pure. And it can wash away our sin. It can wash away our sin. And, and the one God thing, people don't understand why we got the genealogies in the Bible. All the genealogies go back to Adam. Every time he gets confused, he gives us a genealogy. <laughs> to tell us fools where he came from. <laughs> that he's our maker. That he's our maker. Yes. That he's our maker. <laughs> Lord. I'm a priest enough. <laughs> so, 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 I want to know about you. Tell me about how did you get to where you are right now? You've lived 89 years through some interesting times. Tell us just a little bit about, let us look into your life, about your mom, your dad, how you grew up, how you end up in California with your no, brother. In, no, in the reality of what they want to hear, and I'm going to tell them this. When, in the reality, you need to look, that's what history is for. In the Bible, the history of those who knew God is where God came from in the beginning back there somewhere. And the Bible is the history of those who interacted with God. The Bible is the revelation of Jesus Christ as the eternal God. That was his intention. And it was, a, it was to affirm our dignity. And that also caused us to worship our maker, to worship our maker in, in life. So you got to look at your life. And one of the great verses in the Bible I think it's somewhere over there in Jeremiah that God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a will for our life. That plan, purpose, and objective is that we might know God and knowing ourselves, knowing ourselves is that we was created for his glory Sin, disobedience broke that relationship. And he came and purchased us back again and shed his blood, which is eternal, to reconcile us back to, to God. I had something else to say, but my old time has shut in a little bit. So, but, <laughs> come in a little, but, it, but, but, but looking, I know what he was saying. How did I get here? What I'm really saying was, 
I think I found, heard God's calling and found his purpose. And I think he's calling each one of us. That's what I, mean. I think that's what we need to know. I should not over magnify my calling because it's significant. But over against your calling, that's what I'm saying. I shouldn't make my calling because we are defined God's will and purpose for our own life. And, and the real purpose is to know God and to make him known. And you have to know God through your life experience. And you have to reflect God. So what happened to me, I was born in the most poverty situation. I think it's out of my mother's death that she died from a disease that had to do with nutrition deficiency. She died of starvation. Now, I learned that as I went along. Some old lady came by and saw me on the bed. My mother, she died, and she began to bring milk to my house, especially after my mother died, because I was probably taking the nutrition, her milk, that she needed for life. And uh, I died. I think she called me for a purpose. She called to remind me of the benevolence and the goodness and the need of other people around me, my neighbors, the neighbors. And then I didn't realize that until I was 27 years old. After my brother had been killed by white, my sister had been killed by her own boyfriend. And uh, when my brother was killed, I was 16, and they thought I need to leave Mississippi and I left Mississippi and went to California. It was making a long story short, after I go into service, got married to my wife, Vera May, and started my own family. I'm not from the typical uh, religious black family. We were bootleggers and gamblers. <laughs> we, we had to live outside the law, and we know we were breaking the law, but we also was conscious, what made me conscious was that the law that they was enforcing did not sound like the Bible to me. Because they were backing up from all of those truths they have said, like we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all man was created equal. That's God's business, I believe that. But they backed away from it with us. So I didn't share that law. Entertain. I would see I would see big signs in the church, white church, and they'd be singing songs, and you'd hear them on the inside. If I'd have went in there, they would uh, run me out because they did it with the little students who wanted to go to school, and the deacon did it in the 60s with black folks who was coming. The Baptists did it, the Methodists did it, all of them did it. So anybody who born with some intelligence, I got some milk. And that milk that was did kept my brain alive. And so I never felt inferior. Thank God for that. I never believed. That's dangerous, though. That's dangerous for a black man. It's even dangerous for a black man to be a black man. That's why we got heart disease. I mean, being black going to give you high blood pressure <laughs> in this society. But, 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 but then I... This is when I came to faith. Some white ladies and black ladies started some Bible classes in California together for children who didn't go to church. And they called them child evangelism 
of good news classes. My little boy, he wasn't going to church with me, so they picked him up and got him, and he walked to a good news club, and he came home singing some songs. That's when I heard the gospel. They, they were singing these songs. God loved the little children, all the children of the world. Red, brown and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. That's something I hadn't heard before. The black church, they'd have been afraid to sing that. They'd have locked them up in jail. That was against the Mississippi law for blacks and whites to be together. What you talking about? And, uh, and of course, they didn't want them, the black, nine little black children with this girl, they brought the National Guard. Why do I need to believe in that? And black people were in the church and they would shout, turn over the benches. They didn't know what was the present. Uh, thank God for it, they let some of the emotion out. That, that we didn't need as many psychologists with that. And we wasn't many of us going to insane asylum that we're going out. So it did some good. But, but, but it, and then I went to that little good news. I asked my son, what were they teaching? And I went there. And I heard something. I heard that. I heard the gospel again. It was in Galatians 2.20. Y'all ever read that one? That's a powerful one. That's the gospel packed in one verse. It said, I've been crucified with Christ. I take care of that. Nevertheless, I live. That's my new born again experience. Yet not I, but Christ live in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith and the grace, saved by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it's grace that the redemptive is caught up in. And that faith and grace is not of myself. It is a gift of God. I said, if there's a God who loved me enough to send his only begotten son into the world without me, I want to know that God. That's the purpose of God. Somehow another fixer in his room. If you don't have a desire to know God, you probably might not know him. Somehow another, I, it's God's mysterious. I think it ought to be other Christians present. I think that we ought to reflect the image of God. And I think that would get people in our behavior in our desire, in their pain. We see God in them. Let your light so shine before the world so they can see our good works and glorify. If you don't have no passion, you're in bad shape. If you can't find a little sympathy, you're in bad shape. You're in bad shape. So, so in this end, when you find that sympathy, to enter into the pains of others, you're now ready to go. You're finding some of the passion. And Jesus hears that groan. He hears that groan. And so you, you've got to invite him in. He don't break in. 
He don't break in. He said, Paul said, he talked to Paul. He said, Paul, you're a bad man. You're kicking against me. But he said, uh, uh, what must I do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And keep Paul from becoming a, a cult leader. He said, go get somebody else to wash your wound. Somebody else got to tell you what to do. Otherwise, he'd have been a cult leader. He'd have been walking around and said, God told me this, God told me that, God told me this, God told me that. Boy, you, you need the presence of others in your life. We need each other. It's each other. We need to love each other enough that we can talk to each other. Sometimes I try to talk to these people, and I can't talk to them. I can't talk to them. I can't talk to them. They love themselves too much. That's what addiction is. That's what addiction is. In fact, in order to be healed of addiction, you have to use the same stuff that addicts you. Otherwise, you'll come out of it too fast, you'll die. <laughs> Isn't that something? Oh, Lord, we need God. We need each other. We don't need to be over-selfish over greedy. We don't need this hate. Lord, we need God. Yes. And he tells us, come together and reflect him. Yes. That's what we were doing this morning. That, that has been my, I hope I answered question. And it was been those others in my life. It's those others, in, if you know Jesus Christ this morning, it's because somebody or they created an event. Event is good. I think God really liked it when we sang together. I think God, I think he, he really likes it when we praise God together. He liked for us to believe in the collectiveness of him. That in, we enjoy that. That's what worship is. That's what worship is, is we experiencing the presence of God together. His presence. God is in his place. God is, isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I mean, we got something here, y'all. And y'all invited me into it. I didn't break myself in here. Y'all haven't even been following me around. I'm not going to steal anything. I'm black. I trust y'all, and y'all trust me, and we having a good time. Isn't that a good world to live in? Come on. That's a good neighborhood to be in. <laughs> I, mean, I couldn't be no more blessed. I, I'm, I'm serious as I could be. I'm as serious as I What would I want to be any better than to see what this is? This is almost like peace on earth. This is almost like peace on earth. I think God want to use it, don't you? No, I mean, I think God wants to use this as his mission drive. I think God, we need to go out intentionally planting these kind of congregations in the world. 
Because you see, we keep passing each other. And we hate each other when we pass. When we were chasing white folks out, they wanted us to stay back. And we were scared to go. Now the white folks are coming back. We call that gentrification. And black folks say, we don't want you back here. So, <laughs> so we playing games. Why don't we decide, let's stop and love each other. Let's stop and work. I mean, you know, um, they called me a sort of a economist. A economist is, is the person who reflects on what is good business. You get it? I think this is good business. <laughs> I think. I think this is good business. Uh, if we change this community, if we move out of one of them good communities and move out here, you got to make some money. If you go back and go back, you see, it's good money for us to stabilize these communities. <laughs> you, you get the idea? It's good money. It's good if we can stabilize these communities. Because you can't stop the market. When the market take over, the market's gonna rule. And what we got to do is harness some of this stuff. And the churches that are harness us to stop us from running from each other, to be the presence of God, to be the presence of God's people in that community, in that neighborhood. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. Now, the reason I got this honorary doctor degree, you might know, I was started with the third grade, and I had to learn it when I was learning, and I lived a long time. So this is, so this is not, this is not a mystery. <laughs> this is not a mystery. It took me a long time to learn it. Y'all was running away from it. Y'all wouldn't let me into school. Sometimes people said, are you evangelical or liberal? I said, boy, Bob Jones University and these other universities wouldn't let me in. You see, you see how we blame the victim? Why don't we stop and say, let's, let's love one another. Let's be God's presence. Love is of God. He that love is born of God and knoweth God. You know, it, it is beautiful. Isn't this good news? It's good news. Isn't this good news? Yes, yes. I, I like that y'all like me. <laughs> what are you talking about? You think I'm crazy? <laughs> I like that. I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I like y'all. <laughs> I like it. I enjoy it. I used to go to a special place in California. It was the Taco Bell. And every time around 12 o'clock, Every nationality came into Taco Bell. And I walked in there, I felt good that I was in there with them. Because I felt just as good as they felt. <laughs> and we enjoyed each other. If I'd have walked in there scared, I said, let's get out of here. But these Mexicans and these Asians, these other folks ain't out of here. But I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I could compete with them, that I could share my dignity with them, 
and they could shoot. And I felt enriched when I I felt like a rich guy. Go with Come me on. to my Taco Bell. Hang on. Yeah, I didn't take y'all to where you have to pay twenty-seven dollars. <laughs> I went to my and, and we loved the Taco Bell. <laughs> I, I loved it because I was fellowshipping. I, I loved it because I felt equal. I felt just as good as they felt. I mean, that's where the joy is at. That's what Christianity is. It's, it's, it's more than equals coming together. I esteem you higher than me. That's what makes your home such an important place. If you'd ask me where is the best place to start to getting together, is in the home. In the home. And the best thing that we can do is in, in the, I could tell you story after story where ministries has been broken down between black and white. When one of the people, let's say, who moved in, the blacks who moved into the community, they was afraid, he was a rich football player and basketball player. I've been to those churches. And one of the ladies got sick. And those white, one of the black girls got sick. And they nurtured her. That church turned from a white church to a black church. Because in each other's pain, and those mothers had to take care of them children and each other. They, they, the little pastor didn't know what to do. He invited me to come in and say, help us, help civilize all of us so we can work together. God, what y'all are doing is attractive. What y'all doing is attractive. Plant these churches, plant these churches, plant these churches. Be, bring them here, send them out. Let them learn here. Go out and show the world love. Help them to get to know God and we get to know each other and love one another. And love one another. That's about the end of that's my, that's my invitation. You know, you like preachers like to give invitations. My invitation to y'all is keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on reaching out to your brothers and sisters across these barriers. Keep on love one another. Because loving one another tells we know God. We know God. Loving one another. So good. Yeah. So can I invite you all to stand? So I want some of what he has. And I suspect some folks in the room right now, I don't know how this impartation thing works, but I know there's something to it. You know, Paul said, I long to be with you to impart some spiritual gift. I believe this man is not here by accident today. He's here by, by the ordinance of God that brought him here. And I believe there's some folks in this room that are, are, are stirred in your spirit, right? And I, said, I, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is, but I want it. I want it. 
and I want I want some of this. As we get ready to conclude, I want to invite you guys forward. If you want whatever this is, <laughs> the gift of God in this man, while we have him here, so honored to have this man right here with us, right here, right now, right? And if, and if you say, I want some of this, would you kind of invite you just to come and just fill this whole front and just stand right here, and I'm going to just have him stretch out his hands and just to, just to pray over mm. us, mm. to pray over us. Just give him a minute just to get, him, get everybody that's here, just want what's inside him. 89 years, and what he didn't tell you, this man has advised the pres- many presidents. Not just that, he has paid the price. He has suffered, he's been tortured in prison because of what he believes, and he stands here full of the love of Jesus, not bitter, not angry, full of grace and power. And we're so honored and so blessed. So, Dr. Perkins, we would consider it an honor, an honor for you to pray over us and, and, and impart to us a grace upon our lives as we continue the fight. Love, as you say, is the final fight as we move into this community in our homes and our seasons. Mm. So just pray as the Lord leads you. Oh, Lord. I remember Paul's gathering the Ephesians at the dock when he was on the way to Rome. And he blessed them. And he received a blessing from them. They put their arms around his neck. That's what we are doing now. And he said, I commit you to God unto the word of his grace which is able to raise you up and to disciple you and to keep that which I have committed unto you. And oh Lord, I say that to my brothers and sisters here. Lord, you have brought them a long way. You have knitted and you are knitting our hearts together. Oh Lord, help us to embrace each other and help us to become that message in our home, in our neighborhood, in our school, in the place that we can make that witness for you. And then Lord, we are not to forget they're assembling ourselves together. And, 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 and much the more, much the more as we see the crisis in our community. And so I say, now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before your presence with a seal and joy. The only wise God our Savior be majesty and dominion both now and forevermore. Amen.